It is great to be here with you today. Yeah. So I'm going to give to him. You guys give him one more hand. Good morning, everyone. I don't know what you came expecting today, but uh, God had you right in the crosshairs as he designed this day. Do you believe that? He really did, and he does. And Pastor Eric and Sincerity, it is such an honor to be here. I I was sitting back there a few moments ago, I was thinking, wow, we're living the dream. (laughs) We're living it. You are living the dream. Some of you were here on day one. And my wife and I, uh, I, I will tell you, with any of these church plants, I always just say, mark it on the calendar. Nothing else can interfere. We want to be there for day one. And we sat right up here, and we just kind of celebrated with you guys. And we track with you every week on Facebook and Twitter and all those things that you're out there with. And uh, over the last uh, almost year now, we're counting down. It has been a phenomenal, phenomenal journey. Thank you for being a part of the dream. Some of you caught it even before day one, and you've been a part of that. Others have come in as the journey has progressed. But uh, what an amazing, amazing opportunity because you are part of something very special that was born in the heart of God before it was born in the hearts of Pastor Eric and Sincerity and the the team here. Uh, It's just an amazing thing to watch this unfold and and uh, I'll tell you, it, one of the joys, an incredible joy of my life is to just be a part of what God is doing across New Mexico. Uh, just to kind of put it in perspective, Pastor Eric mentioned uh, New Mexico, but across the nation, there's about 13,000 churches part of this network. Uh, worldwide, worldwide, about 67 million of us that are gathered in churches all around the world celebrating this network. But the kingdom of God is bigger than all of that anyway. So uh, it's just great, great, great to be here. We love your pastors. Uh, wow, what a brave pastor to just turn the, the pulpit over to four successive speakers. And some of them are pretty dangerous. The one you had last week. I don't know, I don't, I don't know if you were ready for that. But uh, I've had the opportunity to... Uh, to tap into the podcasts and to hear parts of uh, the various sermons that have been shared. And I, I think it's just really wise, uh, Pastor. I, I, I know God put this in your heart for you to have these individuals to come and to make an investment. And I think, I think you as a congregation, I hope you understand that Pastor Eric, pastors don't do this just so they can just take a break. But they do it because of the fact that they recognize that, first of all, God is directing us on these journeys. You know, pastors don't know it all. We don't have all the answers. We're constantly saying, God, where do we go next? What's the next step in this journey? And your pastor felt God directing him in this specific way, invited these speakers in, and every one of them, I hope you've taken note of those deposits of truth that each speaker has brought. I I will tell you right up front, that no one can take the place of your pastor. There's no one that can take the place of the pastor that God places in that assignment in a local church. But God brings different voices into the church. And I stand here today with a a real sense of excitement, but also a real sense of humility, just recognizing that God has given me this moment in time. And uh, as as I was thinking about this day, uh, so many things went through my heart, my mind, and uh, I, I kept coming back to uh, 
what I would probably call, some people have a, a, a life verse or maybe a life portion of Scripture. Uh, what I want to share with you this morning is what I would probably call my life message. Uh, it has to do with something that God dealt with me about a long time ago. And uh, this message is it's not a new word, but it's a word that God spoke to me about uh, a number of years ago. I hold in my hand my father's preaching Bible that he preached from for many, many years. If I, if I let go of it, it just falls apart. Pages, are, I mean, just falling out everywhere. But one of the reasons I bring this with me today is because of the symbolism and how it ties in with what I want to talk to you about. The subject that I want to talk about is one that I've been exposed to since, since birth. Really, before, before I was even born, I was the beneficiary of this specific thing. And the theme that I want to talk to you about this morning is the theme of blessing. Blessing. More specifically, I want to talk to you about generational blessing. One of the things you'll find as you open the Word of God is that blessing is a dominant theme in the Word of God. Now, there are a lot of themes in the Word of God. But from Genesis to Revelation, blessing is a dominant theme in the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. I don't know about you, but I feel rich today. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and He adds no sorrow with it. In the message version, it says, God's blessing makes life rich. A number of years ago, when God began to first stir this, this subject in my heart, I, uh, I, I really felt drawn to speak a series of sermons on living under the cloud of God's blessing. And I began to just kind of dig into this subject. And, and to be honest with you, I was, I was wrestling with it somewhat. And one of the reasons is that I think sometimes we have a tendency to make the blessing of the Lord a, just a self-serving thing. And I, I wanted us to really go beyond that. And I remember the day when I sat down with my, with my computer Bible program and I began to just dig. And I, I remember keying in the word bless, blessed, and blessing. Those three words, and I just thought, I'm just going to see how many scriptures in the Bible speak to this specific subject. And I remember, I mean, all of a sudden, my screen was just filled with Scripture after Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. And I began to read them. And then I thought, I'm kind of old school. Well, when you're old, I guess you are old school. But anyway, I, I, I remember thinking, I, I want to I I print these out. And so I hit print. And the printer started printing page after page after page after page. I'll never forget it. Forty-two pages. Eight and a half by eleven, top to bottom, of Scriptures having to do with blessing. 467 references in Scripture have to do with blessing. Now, I remember God's really just kind of speaking to me that day as I held that in my hand. And he says, do you get it, son? I'm serious about this subject called blessing. This is something that's very, very important to me. Now, I would say to you this morning, I'd say to myself, don't ever cheapen the blessing of God by simply trying to measure the blessing of God with an earthly measurement. You see, the blessing of God, it's bigger than any car you'll ever drive. It's bigger than any house you'll ever live in. It's bigger than any bank account that anyone will ever have. But the blessing of the Lord really does make rich. But specifically today, I want to talk about generational blessing. How do we leave a legacy of blessing to our children, our grandchildren, to our families, to our household, to, the, to our coworkers? How do we, how do we pass on generational 
blessing. I think it's sad. I've grown up in the church all of my life from my earliest, earliest days, and I'll comment on that in a few moments. But I think it's kind of sad that too many times in the church world, uh, we tend to be more familiar with generational curse than we are generational blessing. In spite of the fact that God is a God who speaks to us about blessing. And I want to challenge you this morning to hear this word. Hear it from where you are. Whether you're a parent, a grandparent, a single adult, a a teenager, whatever your place in life. Hear it from where you are and listen with a forward focus. Don't be looking back over your shoulder. Hear this word with a forward focus. If you'll listen and receive it, it will change your life. It'll change your your environment. It will impact your family. So I want to invite you to go on a journey with me as we jump into this subject of generational blessing. We obviously don't have time to read all those 467 references on blessing, but I want you to listen to just a few real quickly. Exodus chapter 20, verse number 4 through 6. I'm not reading all of it, but it talks there about the fact that punishment for sin is to the third and the fourth generation. And any time people tend to talk about generational curse, they tend to come back to this. And there's truth there that we need to understand. The sad thing is that, that too many times we stop reading right there. If you continue reading in that verse, it says the punishment for sin is to the third and the fourth generation, but love is to a thousand generations. I would suggest to you that blessing is so much greater than the curse will ever be. You and I are not designed to be dominated by curse, but we're designed to be immersed in blessing. Psalm chapter 103 verse 17 says his righteousness is with their children's children. Do we have any grandparents in the room? That says to us uh, that we can live with an expectation that the righteousness that God is uh, is bringing into our lives, it's not just for us, uh, but His righteousness is with their children's children. Luke chapter 1, verse number 50. His mercy extends from generation to generation. I love that. I find myself thanking God so many times in my early prayer time. Oh, God, I thank you. As I'm watching the sun coming up early in the morning and I'm on my prayer walk and I'm saying, wow, his mercies are new every morning. But his mercy is not just for us. His mercy extends from generation to generation to generation. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 20 says it was by faith. That Isaac promised blessing for the future. I like that. He promised blessing for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. And then I love this verse, these verses in Genesis chapter 12, uh, where the Lord said to Abram, leave your country and your people and your father's household and go to the land I'll show you. I will make you into a nation and I will bless you. Now I want you to notice the progression. God's saying, Abram, I'm going to bless you. He continues, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Let me pause just for a moment because the blessing of the Lord is never designed to stop with you. It's never designed to stop with you. It's not the blessing. God's plan is not that he will bless you and you say, oh, hallelujah, I am blessed. And I just sing and praise God the rest of my life that I am blessed. The blessing of the Lord is never designed to stop with you individually 
And it's also not designed to stop with you as a church. You are a blessed church, but the blessing of God is never designed to stop with you. It is designed to flow as a blessing. He says, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And I love the way this wraps up. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I will tell you this morning, don't have time to tell you my whole story, but I'm a a product of generational blessing. Uh, There's there's rarely a day that goes by that that I don't have thoughts, that I just reflect and just thank God that I am a product of generational blessing. Had an incredible godly mom and dad that uh, that just uh, showed me the way that uh, uh, poured into my life as a little boy growing up. I had grandparents, my mother's parents, who who just they were they just loved God. They had a relationship with God, and and uh, as a child growing up, I will tell you today, I value some of these things and it far far beyond anything that I valued them as a child. But I grew up exposed to generational blessing. Does that make sense? Exposed to it. Uh, I remember my, my grandparents were, were charter members, if you will, of a little church in Louisville, Texas, many, many, many years ago. And, uh, I mean, they, they, they became a part of that church. They were there on day one at that church, like some of you were here. And they just became a part of that church. Uh, and, uh, I mean, the, every time the doors were open, and in those days, in that particular part of the community, uh, they, they always had Sunday morning church, and they had Sunday night church, and they had Wednesday night church. Uh, and I can tell you that every time the doors were open, my grandparents were just there Serving God. They never taught a Sunday school class or a Bible class. They never, they never played an instrument. They, they weren't up front people. They just served God. As a matter of fact, uh, in this particular church, it, it was a rectangular building uh, with hardwood floors and, and uh, wooden pews in those days. Uh, and I remember my grandparents, they, they had their spot where they sat every time they came to church. Do some of you have your spot where you sit? Isn't it amazing how we, we kind of fall into these habits, you know, and uh, we, we sit the same place. Well, my grandparents, their spot was the second row on the right-hand side, the last two, I mean, it wasn't two places because it was a pew, but that's where they were every time. I'm just telling you, if the pastor ever showed up and my grandparents weren't there, something was wrong because they were part of that. I remember as a little boy going with my brother and spending the night with my grandparents. And that was always, a, a, that, a, I'll tell you, when grandchildren go spend time with grandparents, that's a fun time. I mean, that's a neat time. It's just an adventure within itself. Uh, and uh, I have so many memories, but, but I remember certain times when, when my brother and I, we would, we would go to bed at night, you know, and we, we, we would say, early in the morning, we're going to get up really early. And we're going we're gonna to slip out, and we're just going to go out and do this or do that. And so early, what we thought was early the next morning, we would wake up, and we would tiptoe over to the door, and we would, we would begin to peek out to see if anyone was up. And I never remember beating my grandfather up. My grandfather would be sitting there in his rocking chair, his Bible in his hand, reading the Word of God. Now, as a little boy, I, that, the, the, I, I, I really didn't even see the impact of that. 
But I would suggest to you today that everything that I am can trace back to a faithful grandmother, a faithful grandfather who simply loved God. They showed God's love. They passed on generational blessing to us. If I had time, I could tell you stories all day long. But I am absolutely convinced of the power of blessing, of the benefits of blessing, and of the realities of generational blessing. But the question is, how do we pass it on? How do we pass it on? I mean, does it just happen? I think Joshua gives us some insight into this. In Joshua chapter 24, as we begin to read these words, in beginning in verse 13, God is speaking through Joshua to the children of Israel. This is at the very end of Joshua's life. This is like his, if he, if he had one final word that he could speak to the children of Israel, this is it. And God speaks through Joshua saying this, I gave you land you had not worked on, towns you did not build, vineyards and olive groves you did not build. In other words, God is saying, you need to understand, you are blessed. I think sometimes it would be good for all of us to pause and just remember, we are the beneficiaries of things that we had nothing to do with. Someone else paved the way. Someone else, uh, were, they, they were the pioneers. They went before us. Uh, I personally am convinced that, that the harvest that we're reaping today, it, it, obviously we're part of it, but it has little to do with, with the seed that we're sowing today, but the seeds of, of other generations that have sowed that seed, and they had 21 days of prayer, and they fasted, and, and they invested their lives. Uh, and so God is saying to the Israelites, I've given you houses you didn't build and vineyards that you didn't plant. I've given you all of these things. You need to understand, you are blessed. Now he gives them, th- them these words. Now, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worship beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving him seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. And then he closes with this powerful statement. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I like that. I heard some of you just echoing it with me. Could we just all say that phrase together? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love that. I think within these words, within these words from Joshua 24, there are some keys to passing on generational blessing. Let me just share them with you real quickly. He says, first of all, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. If you want to pass on generational blessing, don't play games with God. This thing called Christianity, a relationship with God, this is not just something that we do on Sunday morning. There is nothing more important than in life than your personal relationship with God. There will never be any more important decision you and I will ever make in life. Nothing's more important than where does God fit into my life? Fear the Lord. Proverbs twenty-eight fourteen says, blessed is the man who always fears the Lord. Psalm 119, verse 120, my flesh trembles in fear of you. I stand in awe of your laws. Hebrews chapter 11, it says that Noah, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. That's an interesting declaration about Noah, in holy fear. Now, when we're talking about the fear of the Lord, we're not talking about being afraid of God. But we're talking about understanding who God is. 
and recognizing who he is and taking seriously who he is and understanding that when we open up the word of God, that this is not just a book. That this is God speaking to us. Uh, and we, we, we stand in awe of God's word to us. Uh, I, I, I listen to those words. The psalmist saying, my flesh trembles in fear of you. It's, it's not a fear that would cause you to run from God. But a recognition that we have to stand in awe and in reverence uh, of who God is. doesn't mean that you can't laugh and have fun. But it, it really reminds us that this relationship with God is the most important thing that you and I will ever have in our lives. This really focuses on the stewardship of life based on the fear of the Lord. So we filter everything we do, everything we say, every decision that we make. We filter it all through the filter of who God is and what he says to us with a recognition, I'm going to stand before God someday and I'll be held accountable for the way I've lived my life. And this is the beginning of generational blessing. Number one, he says, fear the Lord. The second thing he says is serve him with all faithfulness. Serve him with all faithfulness. In other words, practice devotion and consistency. Just do it. Just do it. We're talking about a lifestyle of devotion, faithfulness. Uh, what that Faithful in serving, faithful in giving, faithful in worship, faithful to come to God's house, uh, house uh, faithful in every dimension of our lives. Uh, just simply serve Him with all faithfulness. I think sometimes we get caught up in the bright lights. I think sometimes we get caught up in, you know, can it happen on a stage or can it happen with a microphone in your hand or can it, is anyone watching us? Uh, could I just tell you, the faithfulness, our faithfulness, simply living that relationship with God on Monday and on Tuesday and on Thursday afternoon when no one's around and no one's watching but you and God and you and I are simply living our lives faithful to Him. There's a song that simply says, Jesus, I'll do what you say. That's what faithfulness is day after day after day after day. Not on and off and in and out and, you know, just kind of waffling back and forth, but simply saying, God, I, I give my life to you. I'm going to serve you and I will be faithful. I mentioned a few moments ago about my grandparents and my grandfather reading his Bible a uh, number of years ago, my grandfather passed away. I think he was 94 years old. I remember the day when my mother called me and said, Papa passed away uh, early this morning. We had the conversation. Obviously, it was a sad moment. And then she said, uh, she said Mike, do you, do you think you could preach Papa's funeral? And I said, man, I, I, that would be such an amazing honor. I don't know if I can do it, but what an honor that that would be. I said, uh, I said, just uh, I'll, I'll drive in. I said, just bring me Papa's Bible. I was telling someone about this just yesterday. I'll never forget opening that Bible. I don't know that I had ever held his Bible in my hand until that day. But all of a sudden, I opened a Bible, well-worn Bible. I know we've got our Bibles on iPads and, you know, all kind of phones and everything else today. But I opened his Bible, and I thought, wow, I don't have to look for anything to say in this service. Because every single page 
I'm telling you, there are underlying things, and there's places where his tears, as he sat in that little rocking chair, would drop onto the pages of that book, and 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 it was a, it was a holy, sacred moment that, that I had the privilege of standing and preaching my grandfather's funeral. I remember preaching it. It was in his home church. And I remember that was a you know long rectangular building had hardwood floors uh, in those days and I preached his funeral we talked about these kind of things and what a legacy that he had left and we finished the service and someone came to me you have to really understand put this in perspective because my grandfather was a little short fat guy and when I say short fat I'm talking short fat when he sat down in the pews his feet just barely touched the floor okay just barely touched the floor. And in those days, in those days, for whatever reason, uh, in, in, it was quite common in churches that during the worship time, the worship leaders would stand, but everyone else would sit. And so my grandparents would sit right over here, and they would, they would worship, and they would sing, and they would you know, just enter into all of that. Someone came to me after the service. They said, I want to show you something. And they took me over to the place where my grandfather had sat for literally for decades, for decades. And they said, I want you to look here. All of the finish was worn off the hardwood floor right under where my grandfather had sat. Because service after service, week after week, month after month, decade after decade, they would have service. And my grandparents were there. And my grandfather's little feet uh, that just barely touched the floor would be tapping on the floor and rubbing on the floor. He wasn't even thinking about it. But he left his footprints literally on the finish of that. And when they showed me that, I thought, wow. I mean, no one ever turns a spotlight on that kind of thing. But that's what serving him with all faithfulness means. It simply means I'm going to serve God if, if, if people are watching or if they're not watching. It really doesn't matter. I'm going to serve him with all faithfulness. And then he says, throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped. In other words, make a break. You've got to make a break with the world. You've got to make a decision to serve God. But now you've got to make a break with the world. There's no place for hypocrisy. We can't, we can't live one life over here and one life over there. This may not be a fair statement to make, but I know a lot of times we as parents, I can tell you I've been guilty of this when our boys were young, that there are times that I, but basically the message that I, I found myself wanting to send was don't necessarily do what I say, do what I do, what I do, do what I say. And I think so many times in Christianity, if we're not careful, we, we just don't recognize that our lives and, our, and the voices we speak, the words that we speak, they have to be as one. He's talking about the integrity of Christianity. In Bible days, the reason they called them Christians was not because they went to church. The reason they called them Christians because they were Christ followers. That if you simply paid attention to their lives, you might not know anything about them, but you would find yourself saying, that person is a Christ follower. Why could they say that? Because there was something distinctive about the life that they lived, that they had not only begun to follow Christ, but their lives were a testimonial to that. Friends, this morning, your family needs to know 
Your children need to know. Your grandchildren need to know. Your co-workers need to know. Your neighbors need to know. Make a break with the world. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped. And you might say, what does that mean today? Allow God to continually take us on the journey. And as you open up the Word of God, and you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, and as you're, as you're exposed to the Word of God through teaching, God's Word speaks to us. And I don't know about you, but there's been a lot of times as I'm reading through the Word of God, the Holy Spirit convicts me of something and says, you know what? You need to pay attention to that. You need to deal with that. You need to stop doing that. Does that make sense? Make a total break with the world. Number four, he says, choose for yourself who you're going to serve. Life is filled with so many choices. Consider the impact of your choices, though. Everything about our lives is impacted by choices. I mean, we just make choices every day. The food we eat, the clothes we wear, everything about us, it's it's a lot of choices. And the choices that you are making, though, are never just about you. The choices that you make, whether they seem to be large or small, significant or insignificant, you and I need to just be aware someone is watching you. Someone is listening to you. Someone is observing. They are paying attention to the choices that you and I make. And your choices and my choices are a reflection of our values. Our choices determine our destiny. If you want to, if you want to know what, where is this path going to lead, just pay attention to your choices today. You and I, we don't, we don't make good choices and end up in bad places. We don't make bad choices and end up in good places. Our choices are critical. And again, our choices impact others. Our choices are never, ever, ever just about us. I know sometimes we tend to say that. Well, I, this, is, this only affects me. I would suggest to you and I today, your choices never just affect you. I remember 15 years ago. 15 years ago this month, as a matter of fact. Jason and Lisa, who were here last week, got married. They were the first wedding in, in our household of any of our children. Uh, they were the first wedding. And so, uh, you know, they had fallen in love and at Bible school and they had been on this journey and, and there had been a proposal. And now there was a wedding that was taking place in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Our entire clan, the whole Dickinson clan, made the trek to Baton Rouge. Uh, and we were there for the wedding. My parents uh, and both of my brothers and their families were there. It was a, it was a big deal. Everyone was excited about it. Uh, and we got there. All of us stayed in, in the same hotel for whatever reason. And, and we stayed in the same hotel. And the first day that we were there, uh, everything was really good. I mean, there was so much excitement. First time to get there. And the grandkids to be able to see one another. And, and the grandkids at that time, their, their ages ranged basically. Jason was was 21, I believe it was, uh, all the way down to my little niece, who was about four years old. My brother, my youngest brother, has three little girls, and, and, uh, and his youngest was uh, uh, Jordan, who, again, was about four years old. I think it was the second day that we were there, the kids were getting bored. How many of you know kids get bored pretty quick? And they were getting bored, and all of a sudden, you know, I mean, we were doing fine. I mean, the, I was doing fine, my brothers were doing fine, but the kids started getting bored, especially the younger ones. And they had spotted a little theme park 
that was basically right across the parking lot from from where we were staying. And they, they all of a sudden they're saying, can we go over there? We could have some fun over there. And, you know, and they just kept after us. And so finally, my brothers and I looked at one another and we said, okay, let's go to the theme park. And the whole clan, we start across the parking lot. Uh, we're walking across the parking lot. It's just a casual, we're, we're just family walking across the parking lot. I'll never forget it. My brother, my youngest brother is walking beside me and he's holding the hand of his little four-year-old girl. Cute as could possibly be. Just a cute little girl. And we're walking along together just talking. And there are multiple conversations going on. And all of a sudden, as we're walking, I'll never forget it. Little Jordan, all of a sudden, she cleared her throat and she spit this wad of saliva out on the pavement. And I don't know what got into me, but I, I, I looked at her. I said, Jordan, honey, where in the world did you learn to spit like that? I'll never forget it. She squared her shoulders, looked up at me, and she said, my daddy taught, taught me how to spit like that. Now, you hang with me for a moment, because sometimes my, my mind just does weird stuff. My mind just, it, it just kind of went on this journey. I, I began to imagine. I began to, my daddy taught me how to spit like that. How does that happen? I mean, here's this little girl. She's growing up. She's she's about two years old. But she happens to notice that both of her big big sisters really know how to spit. You know, I mean, they, they can do it really well. And she sees her her older sisters. I mean, they can just pucker up and spit. You know, it just it just really captures her attention. And, and finally she goes to her daddy and she says, Daddy, you know, uh, how, how did they learn to spit? Well, I taught them how to spit. Well, Daddy, can you teach me how to spit? Well, honey, I'm sorry you're not old enough yet, but someday, someday, I can see this little girl. Again, my mind does weird stuff, but I'm seeing this little girl, you know, maybe about two and a half, three years old. Every, I mean, every time he turns around, she's saying, Daddy, I'm, I'm big enough now. I think you can teach me how to spit. And finally she comes to that place. I, get, I have this picture in my mind. It's a Saturday morning and little Jordan is sound asleep. Uh, I mean, she's just dreaming and enjoying uh, the, the night's rest. Uh, and all of a sudden she hears this whisper in her ear. Jordan, honey, it's daddy. Today's the day. She opens her eyes. Her eyes pop open. She didn't know what to expect. And he says, Jordan, you've been asking me about this for a long time. Today I'm going to teach you how to spit. So, honey, it's just me and you. Come on, get out of bed, jerk your clothes on. We're going to McDonald's. We're going to stop there. And then we're going to go to the park, and I'm going to teach you how to spit. <laughs> I told you, my, I mean, my mind just goes these places. Uh, and, and they finally get to the park. And I, I had this mental image of, of a father as he, as he says to her, now, now, honey, Jordan, this is really, really important. Because if you're going to, te- if you're going to spit like a Dickinson spits, you've got to do it right. I mean, you've got to pucker up like this. No, not like that, like this. No, that's not quite it. You have to do it like this. I can stop my imagination right there. You, it didn't have to happen like that. None of the, I mean, not, I mean, she didn't have to ask. She didn't have to pester her dad. She didn't have, you know, she didn't have to make this a priority. He didn't have to plan a Saturday at the park to teach her how to spit. All he had to do was to do something that he found very, very natural. And a little four-year-old girl just happened to notice even unconscious choices that he was making. But in that moment, she looked at me and said, my daddy taught me how to spit. (laughs) Choose you 
this day? Who are you going to serve? The choices that we make are huge. They are huge. Now, having said that, let me say this, and this is so critical. Please, as we're talking about this, every one of us, there's not a one of us in this room that, that does not, as we reflect on our lives, we can say, wow, I made some bad choices here and bad choices there. We've all made some bad choices. But please, don't live in condemnation because of the bad choices of your past. None of us can go back and relive those choices. We can't make those choices uh, change. There's no condemnation, though, to those who are in Christ Jesus. uh, And we need to live with a forward focus. Uh, You can't change yesterday's choices, but you can define today's choices and the choices in the future. Please don't, don't let the enemy beat you up over any of this. And then he wraps up with this. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Reject the curse, choose the blessing. Note the intentionality of this. We will serve the Lord. I will serve the Lord. Here's a a father. We will serve the Lord. All of us understand, boy, you can spill something so easily accidentally. But if you're going to pass a glass of water from one person to another to another without spilling, you have to pay attention. Intentionality is really, really Critical. And Joshua is saying, as for me and my house, let me just tell you straight up, we will serve the Lord. Let me close with this. Hebrews chapter 11, I I quoted this verse earlier. Noah, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Noah, in holy fear, built an ark. If you read the story of Noah... What an amazing assignment that Noah had. God gives him the assignment of building an ark. It's a hundred-year building program. hundred years. Can you imagine? Do you think Noah always felt like going to work on the ark? You think Noah, I mean, decade after decade, year after year, do you think he just popped out of bed every morning and said, oh, man, let's go to my man. You know, we, some of us rode, a, well, 102 miles yesterday on a bicycle. I got up this morning. My wife said, how are you feeling? I feel like I rode 102 miles on a bicycle yesterday. <laughs> we do some weird things. Like, Can you imagine a 100-year building program? There's no question in my mind that there were days that, that Noah got up. And, and bottom line, he didn't feel like going working on that ark. He had, if, I've, I've done a lot of construction. You do construction, you're going to hit your fingers. You're going to, you're going to scrape something. You're going to have bumps and bruises. Uh, you're going to have aches and pains. Uh, but Noah, in holy fear, why did he go to work day after day after day after day after day after day after day? In holy fear, out of reverence for God, he built an ark to save his family. I urge you to go back in Genesis and read the story again. Genesis chapter 8. And, and uh, all of the scriptures concerning that. But you, you want to see the payoff to all of that? The real payoff? It's after that the flood has come. And now we see that God has said to Noah, it's time for you to come out of the ark. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 8 verse 18, so Noah came out. And a casual reading, you don't maybe even miss this. Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his son's wives, the family. It's like, a, it's like a father saying, hey, come on, honey. Come on, children. Come on, family. 
He came out with his wife and his son's wives and his sons over a year after the flood began. And verse 20 says, shows us a picture of Noah taking his family there onto a hilltop and he built an altar. He built an altar. Can you imagine the significance of that family gathered around? Everybody else is gone. We're the only ones that are here. He builds an altar to the Lord. He had lived his life in faithfulness. He had obeyed God. And they built an altar to the Lord. And Genesis chapter 9 verse number 1 says, Then God blessed Noah and his sons. It never stops with you. Let me tell you this morning, generational blessing is an amazing thing. I, uh, it's been years ago that God began to stir my heart about this. Some of you have heard me talk about this before. This is a journey that I plan to be on the rest of my life. I, I want to understand. I want to walk into the favor of God. But generational blessing starts with you. Some of you are like me. And boy, when I began to talk about being a product of generational blessing, you're, you're having reflective thoughts. And you're saying, wow, thank God for a godly mother, a godly dad. Some of you are in this room and you don't, ha- you don't have that. But generational blessing starts with you. It starts with you. It starts with your choices. Choose God and choose God's way and commit to generational blessing. I would challenge every teenager. (laughs) Well, if you'll get this as a teenager, you'll never, ever, ever regret it. If you'll get this into your spirit, even as a child, you'll never regret it. Because our choices don't just affect us, but they affect everyone around us. Would you stand with me right where you're seated this morning? We're going to pray in just a moment. I believe God is just, God's just inviting us to generational blessing today. We need to understand it's not just about something that God gives us, but it really is about a relationship with Him. Would you bow your heads just for a moment? Because I really sense this morning, there are some of us in this room, this word is for every one of us. But there are some of us today that we need to make, we just need to to really embrace, receive what God's spoken to us this morning, and to simply make a commitment. I want this for myself, for my family, for my coworkers, for my neighbors. I, I want generational blessing. I want that. I, I don't want to just listen to a sermon and go back home and you know come back in, again next week and hear another sermon. I really want to embrace this. I'd like for this to be characteristic of our church, that we fully understand and embrace generational blessing. I want every person in this room, if, if that's you, you just say, boy, I tell you, I want this. Would you just slip up your hand all over this building? All over this building, boy, I see fathers and mothers and grandparents and young people saying, man, I want this. I want this. Some of you are saying, I'm not even married yet, but I want this for my marriage in the future. Some of you, you, you don't have children yet, but, but someday you're going to have kids. And I want this for my children that are yet to be born. God wants that for you. You can put your hands down. No one's looking around. We're going to pray. This is an incredible moment in time because the entry point to generational blessing is Acknowledging Christ as the Savior of our lives. Bringing Him into our heart. Accepting Him. I just wonder this morning, how many of you are here? You say, Brother Mike, I I hear this word this morning. And uh, I want that. But I acknowledge that 
the first step is I, I just need to open the door and allow Jesus to come into my life. I want him to be my Savior and my Lord. And I want to do that today. You'll never find a better moment in time to simply say, I need God. I need God. I, I'm, not in, I'm not in the relationship with God that I need to be. And I want to open the door of my heart and allow Jesus to come into my life. Nobody's looking around. No one's here to judge you. We're not going to embarrass you this morning. We're going to pray in just a moment. But I just wonder how many of you would just slip up your hand. You'd say, you know what? The path that I've been on has not been a path toward blessing because I haven't had that relationship with God that I need to have. But today, in this moment, I want to make the most important decision. I want to make him my Savior, my Lord. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand very quickly? Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. Wow. You'll never regret this, guys. You will never, ever regret this. Christ, the center of everything that we have in our lives. The center of everything that we have in our lives. Tell you what I want to do. I want us to pray. But I want to ask Pastor Eric to come and to actually lead us in this prayer. And to lead you as a church. And those of you who are saying, I want to take this step today. Your pastor loves you. Some of you, you may not have even met your pastor yet. You may not, may, not, may not have even had the opportunity of making his acquaintance, but he loves you. He and sincerity, they love you. They're doing what they're doing because God's called them here. Pastor Eric, what a joy to be able to lead people into relationship and into generational blessing.